Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Well, she's got a lot of things on her mind to talk about. No fun, the Jen Kirkman podcast, episode 374. Are you all going to your super spreader Valentine's Day events next weekend? Did you just come from your super spreader Super Bowl parties? Oh, good for fucking all of you. Uh, hi, this is Jen Kirkman. So uh, I, 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 everything I'm about to say, I'm already, I'm already waiting for the internet hate, but... I've been waiting in line to get the vaccine. Oh my God, you're taking it away from old people and healthcare workers and the poor, and you should. No, no. Um, no, I'm not standing in line with a 50 like I'm at uh, Dan Tana's restaurant in Beverly Hills trying to get in. I'm, I'm doing a very allowed thing, which is in my neighborhood, there is a vaccine site run by the state and you can only make an appointment on the website if you are 65 years or older or a healthcare worker but if you are neither of those things you are allowed to stand in line all day and if they have any vaccine left over they'll give it to you and they cannot use the vaccine they've got to get first of all this place closes at three and they want to be out of there think they have to be out of there by five or six so they take every so in if you're standing in line if it's me and I'm the first one in line if there are 45 seniors or healthcare workers behind me they take them first then the then they start counting people like me in line so you know if they have about a hundred 
vaccine shots left over, you might get lucky that day if you're a non-elderly, non-healthcare worker. Because there's usually about 100 people in line. And it's the Moderna. And it's not that it has to go right back in the refrigerator right away, but they prep the vials based on how many people have made an appointment. And if those people don't show up, then they they have to throw out the vials at the end. So let's just get everyone vaccinated that we can. And so I went and I stood in line the last couple of days. I can't do it every day, but I get there at about one. And I have now, after the first day, I said, I need to invest in a lawn chair. So I got a lawn chair and... You know, I've got this stack of magazines that I haven't read, and I look at them as though it's a part-time job. I've got to read these magazines. I've got to fill my head with knowledge. I've got to read The New Yorker and The Atlantic and New York Magazine and LA Magazine and Vanity Fair. I've got to read this stuff. Maybe it'll bring interesting things to talk about on the podcast. And and it, I take the joy out of everything. I stare at these magazines. I've even put on my to-do list because I'm backlogged about 24 issues. <laughs> Read two magazines today. When you do that, well, you take the fun out of it. But I brought a stack of them with me in my lawn chair. I planted it down in line and I started reading. And I read for two and a half hours. I think three, actually. I blew through about five magazines. It was a great feeling. But what I've noticed when you're in line... I know there's all these personality tests. Are you an NENF? Are you going to do the Enneagram test? What's your astrological sign? There's going to be some kind of personality determinant based on who you are when you stand in a line. Are you the kind of person that has to keep looking towards the building where they're vaccinating And almost walking towards it to see what's going on, even though you know that nobody, even the people in there giving the vaccines, do not know how many are left over until about 3.30. It is now 2. So you you cannot crane your head enough. You're never going to get an answer. Then every time the security guard walks by, do you know how to use the website? Just You see a person and you're desperate for answers. You ask them things they have no control over. What, what what are they going to do with Samantha in the Sex in the City reboot? Is she going to be killed off? Is she going to are they going to really address it and say their their friendship broke apart? Ma'am, I don't know. I'm just the guy that comes around and, and says, get your ID ready if you're a healthcare worker. Ma'am, I have no idea what they're going to do with Samantha. I mean, ma'am, if you're going to ask me, I don't think they should kill her off. I think that would be extremely disrespectful. And but, you know, if you ask me, uh, you know, it's a toss-up. Would would she be the most likely to get COVID in that group of friends because she has a lot of sex? But, but you know, then again, she's also always been on the cutting edge of everything. She was the first to have an iPhone. She she really knows her stuff. And I feel like, if anything, she would probably have met some New Zealander guy and ended up going to New Zealand and being in a hermetically sealed mansion with some end-of-the-world billionaire. Oh, actually, that's a really good idea. That's where she should be. Okay, so, but then there's the person who becomes the mayor of the line. And I always seem to be next to that person and they are the loudest person. And I know I'm loud, but I'm on a podcast. 
and that you're choosing to listen to. I didn't just show up next to you and start blabbing. So there's this guy yesterday. You can tell by their body energy. They're open. They're standing there. They have no phone, no headphones on, no book in their hand, no bag. They're just, and great. You know, on paper, that is a great way to be. Who doesn't want to be the cool person that is unencumbered by modern day electronics that has enough thoughts in their head that they can just stand there and entertain themselves without reading? But the problem with people like this is they so rarely keep to themselves. So sadly, they're not proving the point that, well, you know, I can just stand here all day and think nothing or think everything. I don't need my phone in my face. So I see this guy, oh, God. I don't even want to ask him if he's the end of the line because it'll invite a conversation. And don't forget, once you start talking to the person in line in front of you, you are there for three and a half more hours. They're not going to ever move. They're not going to move up further in the line. They're not going to move back further in the line. They're not going to be called out of the line until at least three and a half hours. So you've got to plan your personality, even if it goes against everything you are. If you don't want to be talked to, you must now make a decision. I've got to go into bitch overdrive. This is for all genders, bitch overdrive. So I see him and I see that he's the end of the line and he's standing there. His arms are basically open at his sides. He's looking around, leading with his stomach legs apart. He is wide open, people. And he is talking to everybody. Uh, You first think, does this person work here? Do not give into that instinct. Do not treat them like the authority they are pretending to be, or you will get stuck talking to them the whole time. So I knew as I was walking over, it's time to go into bitch overdrive. I had a hoodie on for this very purpose. I had a cap. I put the hoodie over my cap. I had a mask on and sunglasses. I was a faceless bitch. And I walked there and I planted my chair down and I sat and he went, well, I hope we all get lucky today. And I, it took everything I had not to say, yep, Of course we all hope that. No one needs to announce it. I just said nothing. And it was killing me. That little people pleaser inside of me goes, be nice to people, Jen. It's awkward for him if you don't say anything. I don't care. It's I just kept saying, Jen, one false move and you got this guy for three and a half hours and you must reserve your energy Do not let your soul get sucked out of its body and you have magazines to read. So I resisted. And then a goddamn bee, bumblebee. They always find me. I hate bees. I'm not allergic to them per se, but I'm not not. Does that make sense? I tend to swell up. I once even had a bee pollen smoothie. Supposed to be really good for you. My lips swelled up so much. And I was in Australia. I was walking in the street in Melbourne and I went, oh my God, am I going to have to cancel my show tonight and go to the hospital? They swelled up so much they were touching my nose. It looked like a cartoon. And I realized it was a bee pollen smoothie. I went back to the shop and said, I think I'm allergic to this. Have you ever seen anyone with this before? 
They were trying not to laugh and they said it should go down about an hour. Just stop drinking it. Obviously drink lots of water. So that's what I did. I've been stung by a bee before and I kind of blacked out and almost passed out. But I don't have an EpiPen and I don't think I have, you know, it's not the movie My Girl. It's a deep cut for anyone that knows that Macaulay Culkin movie where he gets stung by bees to death and dies. Anyway, so, but who wants to get stung by a bee? Not me, but they they follow me, these bees. Anywhere I am, there's bees. And it was so funny because that morning as I was putting on my perfume, my Egyptian musk oil that I've been wearing for 24 years, I said, is this going to attract bugs? I was thinking more mosquitoes, but it's not really mosquito season here. So I don't know if it was the perfume, but it wasn't flying around any area of me that I had the perfume and it was just around my ankles. And it was one of those slow moving bees where you go, do you have like two days left to live? Are you looking to sting someone and die? I, I don't know. It was like a suicidal bee. It was just going around my ankles, but I don't like bees and I'm always going to have the same reaction. I'd have to go to a special kind of therapy where you learn how to sit still. I'm never going to get past this instinct where I go, ah, fuck. And I stand up, ah! So now I'm causing attention to myself. So mayor of the line is going, what is it? I go, it's a fucking bee. And I make sure to swear a lot in case that's off-putting to the mayor of the line. I would rather get stung by a bee than talk to this guy. But again, I'm not making choices. My body is going into an involuntary phobic reaction of bees. Ah, fucking bee. And I'm swatting it with a magazine. Now, I'm wearing these light purple sweatpants with a red stripe and a red hoodie. Of course, the outfit is as cute as can be. And he says, well, it's probably all the bright colors you're wearing. And now at this point, my head wants to explode. I have never heard that bees are attracted to bright colors. Do bees have eyes? I'm going to Google this as we're talking. And you know what? If he's right, I'm going to walk into the ocean and you're going to hear this mic short circuit and I'm not even near the ocean. So it's going to take, you know, you'll hear the rest of the episode because it'll take me about an hour to, to walk there. Not even an hour, probably four hours. So it'll be a really long episode and then you'll hear me short circuit. Can bees, can be, are bees attracted to colors? I can't believe I'm typing this. I can't believe I don't know this. Are bees attracted to colors? The most likely colors to attract bees. Okay, Fuck. Fuck. According to scientists, are purple, violet, and blue. All right, God. What? Bees also have the ability to see color much faster than humans? The fuck was this guy was right? I was literally wearing the color that bees like. When this guy said, you're wearing bright colors, I went, what a fucking idiot. Bees can't see. Don't blame me. My colors, shut up. And I went, no, I'm just fucking unlucky. I just wanted to be miserable. So the mayor of the line would shut up and not talk to me. And then I just sat there and the bee was around my ankle for three hours. And I taught myself how to not stand up and react. So I guess I don't need that special therapy after all. But it was all I could think about. I read five magazines. I don't have an idea one word I read. I was just thinking about the bee and just cursing this man in my head. I can't believe bees can see color and they see it even better than humans. (sighs) According to American beekeeping, 
bee vision is better than human vision. Ah, but bees cannot see the color red, and I was wearing a lot of red, so maybe that wasn't why the bee was after me. But they do see color faster than humans do. That way they can rush to a flower quickly and know if it's the kind of flower. All right. The the day before, the mayor of the line was this woman. She was just sitting there in her chair holding court. Now, this woman was annoying because she'd already had the vaccine at a different location. Oh, I heard the whole story. She has a husband. He didn't go with her the day that she went because he's like, there's no way, honey, that there's going to be leftover vaccines. Well, there totally were. And if he had gone with her, he would have gotten one, but he didn't. And so now he's taking his chance at this location, but he's really busy with work. So he's in his car working and she's sitting there holding the line for him. And if they come over and say, you can get a vaccine, she'll call him on a cell and he'll come out of the car and sit with her. And I'm thinking... This is not husband. You're just a crazy person who wants to sit here and tell us how to run our lives. And she's just sitting there explaining to everyone. No one's asking her. She's just explaining to everyone how the vaccine works and she's going to get a second shot, but she's still going to wear a mask and blah, blah, blah. And then yesterday the line was this long. And then last week it was raining, but wouldn't you believe it? And I'm thinking there were even more people there because everyone had the same idea. I mean, I knew what she was going to say before she said it. And everyone was fascinated with her. I mean, you go, people go, how did people vote for Donald Trump? I'm telling you, if anyone pulls up a chair and acts like they're an expert on anything, you don't even have to sound like an expert. You just announce, I'm here, I'm an expert. And people are like, wow, somebody stood up. All you have to do is just stand up. It goes back to what people used to do in I don't even know, the 1800s. You just stand in the town square bang on a slab of wood and say, hear ye, hear ye. And people are mesmerized. Look at me. I do stand up for a living. Now, I wouldn't think that would translate into anyone actually taking anything I say seriously. But look at fucking Joe Rogan convincing half of America not to get vaccinated. Oh, anyway, I am Jen Kirkman. I am a comedian. What is this podcast? This is no fun. The Jen Kirkman podcast. This is where I come to you once a week to do a solo podcast where I talk about what's been going on for me that week, either in the world, in my life, or in my head. It is not a stand-up comedy special, but I do have two of those on Netflix. Just Keep Living and I'm Gonna Die Alone and I Feel Fine. And I honed those for years, going around the country doing stand-ups, stand-ups and practicing my punchlines. This is an unscripted, off-the-top-of-my-head show where I talk to you like I'm talking to a friend, except you say nothing. It's sometimes funny, sometimes serious, but at the very least, it's always honest and real. This is also not a book, but I've written two books. I know what I'm doing and other lies I tell myself, as well as a book called I Can Barely Take Care of Myself, which is about not wanting kids get both books wherever you buy your books. This podcast is part of the Misfit Toys Comedy Collective, started by Jimmy Pardo and Matt Belknap of the Never Not Funny podcast. The other podcasts in the collective are Todd Glass's The Todd Glass Show, Mike Schmidt's The 40-Year-Old Boy, Doug Loves Movies, Never Not Funny. Click the link in the show notes to check out all of these podcasts. And right now, here's something from our friend Jimmy Pardo. Hi there, I'm Jimmy Pardo, host of the award-winning podcast, Never Not Funny. It's a show that's been described as hanging out with friends you never knew you needed. Well, each week I get together with my co-host, Matt Belknap, and great people from the worlds of comedy, Broadway, music, TV, movies, you get the point. Hey Matt, uh, give me some examples of who we've had on. 
Oh my God, Jimmy, we've had comedy legends like Conan O'Brien, Amy Poehler, and Sarah Silverman, Hollywood royalty like Rob Reiner and John Hamm, and members of classic rock bands like Styx and Kiss. Hey, Never Not Funny's been around since 2006, so we must be doing something right. So why not join our nonsense each week? Never Not Funny, the fastest hour in podcasting. Now, I am not on tour in 2021, nor was I in 2020, so you are not going to see me. You're not going to get a new special out of me either, so... I highly recommend that for five bucks a month, you join my Patreon. It is this podcast, but it is the video version. And every video version starts with me talking directly to camera about something extra hot, sensational and gossipy that I really don't need everybody knowing about. But the people that paid for it, I trust them. And you get bonus episodes as well, audio only, as well as unreleased stand-up that I taped live on the road from my phone over the years and any other bonuses I want to throw at you. There are, of course, more expensive levels. The more you pay for, the more bonuses you get. But this is the best way to support me. I do not do this for my health. I do not. I do it for fun. But I do it for fun because we all got to make money somehow, right? And I chose the most fun way to make money podcasting. But if I didn't have to make money at all, if I was some rich bitch sitting on some Netflix money, I you would never hear my voice again. Oh, I'd be just doing nothing. Be reading those magazines. So I am doing this as part of my living. So if you want to support a comedian who is not getting COVID, who is not going on the road and spreading their shit everywhere and being a total asshole, I, sus- I suspect, I suggest you, su- you support one of the good ones. And that is me, Jen Kirkman. Patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Jen Kirkman. And if you're new to this podcast and you would like to listen to the backlog of episodes that go back all the way back to 2013, back when the podcast was called I Seem Fun, you may do so by going to JenKirkman.com, click podcast, and there will be a link that'll take you back through the archives. Oh, what else am I going to talk about this week? Well, man, there's really wax on my face for I almost I almost went off to that about that guy thinking BC colors and something said Jen you better google it I still look like an asshole but at least I look like an asshole who's willing to self-correct I'm going to talk about a UFO in Los Angeles last weekend anti-vax protesters at Dodger Stadium and do you have a do you have something called bedtime procrastination There's a few other things I want to get into, but I don't know what we're going to have time for this week. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. But let's start with the UFO. Now, I understand unidentified flying object, UFO, means an unidentified flying object. It does not mean, it's not a colloquialism for alien spacecraft. It means what it means. An unidentified flying object could be a plane from another country that uh, has technology we've never seen, and it's in our airspace. It could mean some kind of 
I don't know, some object flying through space that landed in our skies. It could mean anything. Hence, it's unidentified. But there was a classic UFO in the flying saucer shape on the 101 freeway in Los Angeles a week ago Saturday. Now, I saw the picture, and this person took it from the inside of their car. They were on the freeway. It admittedly is hard to take pictures when you're on the freeway, and it's hard to pull over. But they took a photo of something through their windshield. They did not stick their arm out the car, and the UFO looks like your classic silvery white disc, and then there's some red light behind it, like dots. But all it looks like is a reflection of an electronic device that's probably sitting on your dashboard. Listen, nobody wants to believe in aliens more than me. I do believe in life on other planets. Deep down, I just believe in life. You know, literal life. A plant. Oh, some planets are have sort of an earth-like condition. But do I think there's actually another species, life form, humanoid, alien things? I don't, I can't imagine it. So that's why I say, I don't know. I don't think it's crazy. I just gun to my head. I'm like, no. But even if I did believe that, which I kind of do, do I think they've come here? I just don't see how. There would literally have to be some kind of wrinkle in time for that to happen. So, now again, totally possible. I'm just a dumb comedian. I got a D plus in algebra. You know, don't ask me. So when I see unidentified flying object photos, I squint and I try. I try so hard. Like when someone makes me look at an ultrasound of their baby and I go, I don't see a baby. I'm glad they do because they're the mother. They should be connecting with it, but I don't, I just don't see anything. That's what I do when I look at pictures of UFOs. Deep in my heart, I go, I don't see it. I don't think it's one, but I want it to be. This photo was so blatantly not. I just went, no, that's a reflection. So they put it up on TMZ. They said, we got another UFO setting on our hands, LA folks. This one stands alone as it offers some of the best clear shots of uh, this. An eyewitness did these photos last Saturday heading south on the 101 freeway just outside of Thousand Oaks as she was approaching Westlake Village. Now, the direction she's going in is headed right towards where I live. And I'd love to think, because I kept saying, I gotta get the fuck out of Los Angeles. These COVID freaks won't stop spreading COVID. It's just a bunch of assholes cramming into outdoor dining the minute it was open, and it was open based on politics, not based on science. And I kept saying, I need someone to come fucking get me. And everyone go, well, you drive across the country. Oh, yeah. Why doesn't a woman drive alone across the country? Sounds fun. You still have to stop and stay places, or at least I would. Sleep in your car. Yeah, a woman sleeping on the side of the road. Sounds fun. Oh, it's winter. Let me drive through the Midwest in the snowstorm. Sounds fun. I'm not driving anywhere, people. Also, it's a pandemic. So you drive, you get in an accident, your head's bleeding, you go to the hospital. Sorry, 
They hand you your head back and they go, you're going to have to find a way to reattach your own head. We're full up with COVID. Or they do have room for you and you get COVID from the hospital. Listen, there's no good answer. And so I used to say, I just need to be beamed back to the East Coast so I could see my family and I can just move back to the East Coast. I'm so done with LA. And then the thought that there were aliens coming to get me in their COVID safe vehicle made me happy. And if they want to put a probe up my butt to get some samples, that's fine. Can you drop me back to Brooklyn or Massachusetts, whichever is more convenient? So Trust me, I want this to be real, but I just don't think it is. So anyway, she she was on her phone when she saw this thing hovering in the sky. I love that she was on her phone. She's on the 101 freeway, 60 miles an hour. Oh, maybe she was a passenger uh, flying in the same direction she was heading, although I doubt it because it doesn't say anything about anyone else in the car, with a group of lights trailing behind it. The eyewitness says she shot three consecutive photos as quickly as she could. The unidentified object appears to have changed positions, both tilting ever so slightly and moving to a new spot in the sky. We're told this UFO was only visible for a few seconds before it literally vanished into thin air. Far-fetched, that's what we thought too. We've been assured these photos are not altered and they show what they show. We're skeptical, thinking these could have been tweaked in Photoshop, so we had one of our art gurus take a closer look to see what she thought. Turns out our own Photoshop whiz seems to agree these don't look like fakes. <laughs> oh, TMZ's own. I don't think they're photoshopped either. I just think it's a reflection from something on her dashboard. So there you go. Have any of you seen a UFO? Send me an email. I seem fun at gmail.com. Are any of you aliens? Can you come get me? Send me an email. I seem fun at gmail.com. I need aliens to come get me, to get me away from these fucking anti-vaxxers. Get me away from the anti-vaxxers. You want to be an anti-vaxxer? Don't use a toilet. Poop outside. You don't want to be an anti-vaxxer? I mean, you want to be an anti-vaxxer? Don't use a tampon. Bleed down your leg. You want to be an anti-vaxxer? Kill your own ox and eat it. You can't have it all the ways. You know why you don't have polio? You got a fucking vaccine. You'd be rolling up to that protest in an iron lung if you hadn't had a vaccine, you psycho anti-vaxxer. And it is moving through all the communities, the wellness community, the right-wing conspiracy theory community, the left-wing conspiracy theory community. It is a bowl of stupidity that everyone's welcome in. So we've got Dodger Stadium that has was the biggest site of COVID testing, and now it's the big site of COVID vaccinations. A group of anti-vax protesters temporarily shut down the COVID-19 vaccination site at LA's Dodger Stadium. Do you understand? They delayed appointments by nearly an hour. It's just a bunch of white people standing there. One of them is holding a sign that says Mark of the Beast ahead. Dude, you had to print that on a printer. That's not the mark of a beast. Why is the mark of the beast um, a vaccine? About 50 protesters. That's it. 50 people. Do you know how big this landmass is? Imagine 50 people outside a stadium. 
and the police couldn't control them. What the police can suck my dick. The police never seem to be able to control anything except when black people are marching peacefully asking, could you try? How about you try not to kill us? Can't do it. Got to shoot rubber bullets. Got to shoot real ones. 50 stupid ass anti-vaxxers are outside and they're like, we give up. Shoot them all with rubber bullets. I don't give a fuck. Lock them up. Take them down. Drive your car into them. Let's do this, LAPD. Why do you suddenly got a conscience? They actually managed to shut down the vaccination site. That is embarrassing. We should not have a system that is so easily fucked with. 50 people? They were shouting at drivers lined up for their appointment. Police were aware of the plans for a protest and decided in conjunction with the L.A. Fire Department to close the stadium gates around 2 p.m. as a precaution. Protesters were asked to leave and they complied by three. But the LAPD said the demonstration was a peaceful protest during which no crimes were committed, no arrests were made. Okay, no crime was committed, but if they were blocking the fucking entrance. No, I no. COVID is a scam. Masks weaken the immune system. I'll give you something that'll weaken your immune system. A punch in the nose. Okay. Newsom tweeted on Saturday that the state will not be deterred or threatened by protesters in providing vaccines. That was after they were delayed an hour. That's like when George Bush was like, I kept us safe after 9-11. Oh, well, thanks for starting the clock after the biggest terrorist attack on American soil. Appreciate that. Imagine that. And and the only people getting vaccinated right now are seniors and healthcare workers. So that's who you're harassing. That's who you're making stay out an extra hour. That's who you're preventing from getting things. I really wish there was a bracelet you could wear that said anti-vaxxer. And so when you get to a hospital, they're like, okay, you and a bunch of other people with COVID can go sit in a room and you can all uh, die together. I mean, this what if you're new to this podcast, you must be like, what the fuck is going on? I'm in a mood. I'm ranting and raving because I am been stuck inside for almost a year. I live alone in a pandemic in the dumbest city in America, apparently. It is getting worse and worse here. We've got multiple variants. It's way more contagious. And all I see are rich people running around doing whatever. I'm not I'm no slouch. I'm not a millionaire, but I do fine. And I know that part of my privilege is staying my ass home. I don't have to be anywhere, so I don't be anywhere. I know I mentioned I bought a lawn chair earlier in the episode, and you're probably thinking you went to Target. No, I didn't. I got it delivered. And I tipped. Thank you. (sighs) If you don't want a vaccine, don't get one. And you care what other people are doing. I can't even. I can't even. So I won't. I can't even talk about it. I'm too angry. All I know, we might be fucked. I don't know. How do we stop the disinformation? I really don't know. 
I really feel like there should be a whole new curriculum for schools, starting with when people are little kids, how to truly understand science, how to not get fooled by disinformation going around on the internet. You're watching someone lose their mind if you're watching the Patreon. Otherwise, you're just hearing a lot of pauses and it's me doing weird shit with my eyes. Okay. I'd like to give a shout out, by the way, to my Patreon listeners. Not all of them. Calm down. This does go in alphabetical order because otherwise I would get confused and not know who I said a shout out to. But thank you. We'll do a few a week to Sheila Toller, Sophie Smith, Sophie Dehan, Sophie Deheno, Deheno, Sunny McAwalls, Someone D, I think their name's Andre, Cheryl K, Cheryl Lynn, Sherry Lavendal, Shelly, no last name. She thinks she's big time. She likes share. Shannon Otto and Sean McRae. Thank you all for being Patreon subscribers. Now let's hear from some listeners. I love hearing emails from you guys because I always feel like people listen to this podcast always think, am I the only one listening to this? And you're not. And I feel like when you hear from each other, it creates a nice little community. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. This is from Abigail. My name's Abigail, and yes, you can use it on air. Tonight, I was on my train home from work listening to the story you told about how you messaged a guy on a dating app about how similar you both were when you had really just read your own profile. This made me laugh so uncontrollably hard. I mean, I was trying to contain myself because I was on the train, but damn if my body couldn't stop shaking with laughter. It's almost as funny as the story you told once on a podcast about how at Chelsea lately, Chelsea got on someone's email and replied to... Okay, wait... (laughs) She's okay. This woman, Abigail, has reminded me of a story that makes me literally laugh out loud every time I remember it. It's one of those you had to be there moments that I'm not sure if it translates. But I've told it on I told it on Pete Holmes podcast and I believe Todd Glasses. If I told it on this podcast, it would have been years ago. So indulge me after all my ranting about who who should die and who shouldn't. Let me just tell you a really funny story. And again, you probably had to be there. But this is truly something that I will just laugh about for the rest of my life. When I worked at Chelsea lately. From 2008 to 2014. It was the type of job where you'd get up quickly from your computer because you had to go deal with something right away. Nobody was sitting there bothering to lock their computer. We had those desktop PCs that you have in any office situation. One of the um, sketch producers on the show, Johnny, was often a victim of Chelsea's breaking into his computer. (laughs) Johnny was often having to get up from his desk really quick to go down to the stage to deal with something 
And if Chelsea happened to be walking by at that moment, she'd say, where's Johnny? And someone would say, downstairs. And she knew she had enough time. And she'd go in, sit at his desk, and we knew the fun was about to begin. Chelsea, if you were not at your desk, would go into your work email and respond (laughs) to other people at work the craziest shit. Now, you might say, well, it's all comedy writers. What's so crazy? No, let me explain something. The E-Network headquarters building where you got your human resources, the president of the network, the, well, she was dating the president of the network for some of it, so it wasn't that crazy. But, you know, other people in these more stiff positions, you know, if you're human resources, I don't care if you work for the E-Network or a big five company, you're as tight as the job needs you to be. You're not messing around. You're there to set boundaries. So the E building, which is not the building we were in, is in mid what they call Mid Wilshire, Los Angeles. And about seven miles away was the little satellite offices for Chelsea lately. We had no authorities in that building. We just had the people that worked on the show creatively. And that's where the soundstage was where they taped the show. So there was this whole other corporate world of E that knew who we were, but they didn't know. We didn't know who they were. We only knew their names. And there would be company-wide emails. Hey, everybody. You know, even if we're not in the same building, hey, everybody, it's Pizza Monday here at the Wilshire building. And we would still be CC'd on those emails, even though we're not going to partake in it. And, you know, emails like that, Chelsea would respond to and say, hey, guys, do you, I mean, just anything. Hey, guys, I've been having sort of a, a dry itch on my vagina. Does anyone have any cream? You know what I mean? She'd just send that. And you wouldn't even know you did it because she'd go back and she'd she'd go back to the whatever screen you were on. And then maybe a day later, you'd be looking at your scent and you'd be like, oh, my God. Like every once in a while, we would just hear someone go, oh, my God. And we would crack up because we knew that's the sound of someone finding a sent email that they never sent. That's really embarrassing. So this one day. Chelsea walks by and Johnny is not at his desk. And this is a few months before the 2008 presidential election. No, I'm sorry. Uh, It's right before the 2012 presidential election. So it's it's, uh, like fall of 2011. So the human resources person, again, this person we don't know, Kenneth, he's in the main building. He sends out an email all company email that says, hey, everybody. And again, we don't, this doesn't apply to us because we're not in that section of town, but Wilshire will be closed this morning due to like the consulate of Israel coming through. And so you might want to take an alternate route to work or work from home that morning or whatever. (laughs) So Chelsea replies just to Kenneth from Johnny's email and says, hey, Kenneth, you bring up a really interesting point about Israel. That's something that's really important to me in the upcoming election and I'd love to talk to you about it sometime. <laughs> and she sits there and gets a reply right away from Kenneth. That's, I mean, imagine you're in human resources. <laughs> you're not. Johnny is not a comedian on the show. And someone writes you back that they want to talk to you about the Israel conflict. <laughs> and then it's going to influence their vote for president. 
You have to take them seriously because you're human resources. You can't be like, oh, fuck off, Johnny. And Kenneth says, well, I'm kind of, I remember the most important parts. So these filler parts, I may not be getting exactly right if you've heard me tell this before. If it doesn't sound like the last time, it's just because I'm starting to forget. But he wrote back something kind of neutral, like, well, I don't normally talk politics. And to be honest, I'm not that you know, I'm no, I'm no expert on the Israel-Palestine conflict. And, and uh, you know, I think we should all just exercise our right to vote. You know, bullshit, bullshit, blah, blah. And Johnny wrote back, no, I think that you would have a lot of good ideas. <laughs> he keeps insisting that they need to talk. And Johnny was like, well... And so Kenneth wrote back, well, there's something that didn't end the conversation, but but just like... I don't even know what it was. Maybe I'll see you around one of these days at the work party. I don't I don't even know what it was. So then Johnny, in quotes, writes back, do you want to get a drink sometime this weekend? They've never met. No, by the way, we also didn't know that Kenneth was gay. So what Johnny was really worried about when he found out about this was that he didn't want Kenneth to think the joke was you're gay and I'm hitting on you. The joke was I'm a rogue and em- I'm an employee going rogue here, just like desperate to talk to someone about the election and Obama's stance on Israel, like just ridiculous things. And but anyway, so at this point, Chelsea, no one knows this guy's gay. Johnny still has no idea this is going on. <laughs> So Johnny's like, all right, we don't have to talk about Israel, but do you want to get a drink this weekend? I bet you have lots of interesting ideas about this. <laughs> like, <laughs> and then Kenneth writes back, oh, I'm sorry, Johnny, this weekend my partner and I are going to Palm Desert to look at our new house or something like that. And Johnny just writes back, I could come to the desert. <laughs> I think I'm going to explode. <laughs> you might not be laughing, and that's fine. <laughs> but for some reason, this is stuck in my DNA. Do you understand? <laughs> so she left it at that. <clears throat> I don't actually remember what the guy wrote back. So Chelsea leaves the desk. <sighs> and Johnny comes back the half hour later. And, you know, it's not, the computer's not up on his sent photos. If he looks at his computer, it's on the Word document that he was working on. So he comes back, he's working. But we all know what she was doing because we all, she was making herself laugh and we all gathered in the office and watched what she was writing. And I literally remember I had to go get my inhaler because if you think I was laughing just then, I was legit convulsing in an asthma attack. I I can't tell you why I found this to be so funny. So then I went back to my desk. And so since so many people were just waiting for Johnny to get back and discover it, because now his reaction would be a whole other level of comedy. (laughs) We just kept walking by his office looking at him and he would go, hi. And we go, oh, hey, Johnny. Just kind of stand there for a minute. He'd be like, okay, bye. And we kept doing that to where he was like, what, what, you guys? And he's like, oh, fuck. And then he goes to his scent and he's like, oh, oh, fuck, I could come. And then I just hear him reading it. I, fuck. 
And then a minute later, I could come to the desert? Jesus. (laughs) So then... It turns out that like there was this all company meeting weirdly in our building that no one had ever gone to in the history of our building coming up like in a couple days. And Kenneth wrote back, I'll be in your building actually tomorrow. So maybe I'll drop by your office and we can talk about all of your concerns. And Johnny's like, fuck, now this guy's going to come to my office. That's what he wrote back. Now I remember, but I don't remember what happened. I don't remember if Johnny eventually told him Chelsea got into my computer or if he just hid. I don't remember. I know at some point I printed out those emails. I asked Johnny to print them for me and I kept them. They're somewhere. I have to find them. I hope I still have them. Oh, anyway. So that's what this woman in this email was talking about. That that That's a story that made her laugh. So there you go. You can all enjoy a story. Inside gossip about a show I used to be on. Jen. It's so nice to know how seriously... She says, not a fun email. This is from Jane. Jen, it's so nice to know how seriously you've been taking COVID this past year. I say this only because I don't have anyone in my life who's still being careful and acting like there's a pandemic besides my husband. I feel like we are literally the only people I know who haven't gone out to a bar or restaurant, let alone a trip or vacation like most of my friends and family. I hate having to say no to invitations to go out. It's actually been very isolating because none of my friends and family can relate to my life at all anymore. So it's been nice to hear there is someone in the world who is still taking COVID seriously. It's been interesting to hear how different it is in LA where things are still closed than here in the Midwest where people can go about their lives as normal. I feel as though everyone around me has moved on and I'm still stuck in the pandemic. Jane, a lot of us feel that way. And of course, a lot is still open in LA now. Hi, Jen. Thank you for keeping me shouting along. Amen, sister, with your podcast. You are so witty and articulate. Well, I don't think that I am, but, and you articulate your points very well while keeping them LOL funny. I wanted to respond to this week's and a previous episode where you discussed the return to normal um, post pandemic and the anxiety you feel about it. I am squarely in the category of people who are not at all eager to go back to how things were. Maybe it's because I'm an introvert and somehow not in quite the right professional fit. I'm a librarian, and though everyone thinks that means we're shushing patrons, shelving books, or reading them all day, it's actually a very interaction-heavy job, basically dealing with the public, which as an introvert is exhausting. That said, I like to work, and during the pandemic, I've been privileged enough to be able to work from home and found ways in which I like to do so. I work with teens, and my job has shifted mostly to programming, which is something I really enjoy. But in response to your queries, I am going to feel a lot of anxiety when I have to return to a physical library, when I return to interacting with my staff at my location, who I don't miss, and working with the public. So in response to that article you read on this week's podcast, hell no, I do not miss the parts of the fabric that supposedly keep us human, i.e. inane conversation in the staff kitchen, which is always full of awful smells, whether it's the fish or kimchi someone prepares and dirty because no one cleans it. Notably, that writer avoided a mention of the workplace bathroom, which in my workplace is a single stall used by about 12 people on a given day. There's no ventilation in there, for one thing, and unfortunately, you get to know your coworkers' intestinal issues too well. I really don't miss that much, except the freedom to see my friends, sometimes my family, and to travel. I miss that a lot, though I have no idea how long it will take me to feel comfortable again once it's supposedly safe to do so. So I could probably go on just fine along with my husband and dogs and not go back to the fabric of social interaction in a physical workplace. Quarantine life has made me feel more and more like Larry David. Again, thanks for sharing your takes on life 
And more likely, I'll attend your anxiety workshop as my levels rise when moving into post-COVID life. Thanks for letting me ramble. Take care, Jessica. Thanks, Jessica. I don't have an anxiety workshop. I did teach relaxation classes this summer. It's always a good idea, though, to not wait until you're going to have anxiety because you can do stuff now um, that helps prevent anxiety. But you can get my anxiety PDF email and... It gives you tips on how to deal with anxiety. So many things. If you can't afford therapy, these are things like from therapists. It's really good advice. Personal stories for me. And then a bunch of videos I made leading you through exercises. And you can also buy one of my classes that I taught this summer for eight bucks. All of that, you can just go to um, anxietybitesweekly at gmail.com and I can send you the PDF. And there are links to like buy the class and all that other stuff on there. So, you know. And I have an anxiety podcast called Anxiety Bites coming out in 2021, but that is not on the horizon just yet. That'll probably be spring. So let's end with this. I was noticing that I was starting to go to bed later and later, even though in my life when I'm busy touring and working, all I want to do is go to bed early because I like to get up at 6 a.m. because I like that I like that sense of control that I'm awake before most of the world and that no one's going to bother me. And I have these like three hours to myself to make coffee and, you know, do a workout or return emails or just do stupid shit like, you know, before my day begins all crazy um, and schedules change and, oh, can we move this up and blah, blah, blah. But in the pandemic, when I've had a much more freelance schedule that I totally control, I've oddly been going to bed later and later, even though I like going to bed around like 9.30 to 10.30. But I was like going at 2 a.m. for no reason. And I was like, I'm rebelling against something, but I don't know what it is. And maybe it was like Trump or maybe I was lonely and Twitter, like during, especially the last few months, like during the holidays, the last few months of Trump's presidency, there was a lot of like late night Twitter going on. Like people I know who have kids and jobs and don't normally stay up till 2 a.m. either. We were all kind of awake. And I don't know, maybe it was like a loneliness thing, but I read this article about revenge bedtime is real. And it is kind of tied into like capitalism and not having, you know, a sense that we can control our world. And I thought this was very interesting. This is in Glamour.com by Jenny Singer. Revenge bedtime procrastination is real, according to psychologists. You know that thing where you stubbornly stay up late for no reason because you feel like you didn't get any time to yourself? Here's how to stop. It's late and you're exhausted. You've barely had time to eat dinner and shower after work. Maybe you watched a few episodes of a show, read a chapter of your book, struggled through your skincare routine. Oh my God, all of that sounds amazing. Like I wish I even, some nights I don't even make time for all of that. I would just sort of stare off into space going, what? I'm in a pandemic. Now you're in bed, you know you should sleep, but you keep scrolling past the point that feels good. Your eyes start to close and you have to be up at 5 a.m., but you're not ready for rest. Some part of you is unsatisfied. This activity has a name, bedtime revenge procrastination. It's a phrase popularized by millennials and Gen Z in China, which literally translates to sleepless night revenge. Sandra, a 24-year-old Mandarin speaker living in Paris, told Glamour, in the U.S., the pandemic has exacerbated everything that was already broken in a culture where work determines access to health care and sense of value. The combination of a capitalist workday mixed with work from home life and an ever-growing attachment to our technology is the perfect storm that contributes to revenge bedtime procrastination, says Eliza Shapiro, a th- clinical social worker and therapist in Manhattan. Intuitively, we know we need to rest in order to become productive again. So when we lack the resource of relaxation during the day, we try to find it in other places and times, even if it's at the expense of our sleep. 
It's deeply validating to learn that this habit has a name and that you are not alone in doing it. The term bedtime revenge procrastination has spread on social media. Last June, writer Daphne K. Lee introduced it to English-speaking Twitter as a phenomenon in which people who don't have much control over their daytime life refuse to sleep early in order to regain some sense of freedom during the late-night hours. Susan Hader, a 20-year-old pre-med psychology student at the University of Iowa, discovered the phrase in January when she found herself awake one night at 3 a.m. and started Googling. I came across this term, and as soon as I read the definition, I was like, this is me. It felt so good to name her problem that she made a TikTok video to share the idea and to see where other people could relate. Fun fact, did you guys know that there's this thing called revenge bedtime procrastination, she asks in a video that has now been viewed 13.6 million times, where people refuse to sleep because they don't have much control over their daytime life, so they will sleep very late at night, even if they're super tired, because they just don't want that free time to end at night and they don't want tomorrow to start? Hater's video, bleakly relatable with its stark background and drained Starbucks cup, garnered millions of likes and tens of thousands of comments. Okay, so it has a name and I do this are common variants. Why do we do this? Chelsea Ryan, whose name is spelled C-H-E-L apostrophe S-E-A, pause to roll my eyes, a clinical social worker and therapist at the Southwest Center for HIV AIDS in Phoenix, says she has both personal and professional experience with this phenomenon. After a day of office work and an evening of caring for her kids, she would lose sleep in favor of unwinding, reasoning, this is my only time to breathe, be human, be a woman. But her late night habit created an anxiety spiral that eventually resulted in panic attacks. She's seen it in her patients too. A lot of clients have kids or multiple jobs or home life isn't that great. So they're picking and choosing times when they can really cater to themselves and usually that's at night. If we're really going to cater to ourselves, why not do a few minutes of yoga or drink tea as we've been told to do 5,000 times by freakishly cheerful wellness influencers? Why fall face first into our phones? For many of us, when we finally put away all of our technology at the end of the night, it is the first time that we are left alone with our thoughts and feelings without any distractions, says Shapiro. If we're afraid of what we may find, or perhaps more commonly, know that we will be met with uncomfortable, complicated, or heavy thoughts or feelings, we are going to unconsciously try to avoid them. Engaging in the late-night scroll may be an attempt to either push off the flood of emotion that may hit us when we close our eyes, or to exhaust ourselves to the point that we instantly fall asleep and don't have to think of it at all. And ultimately, Shapiro says, this is not going to work. We're trying to protect ourselves, but we forget that avoidance actually makes the emotion stronger and we enter into a cycle of late night anxiety. Why is this so much worse right now? Demands on our time have gotten higher during the work from home period of time, not lower, said Ashley Williams, PhD, a researcher and behavioral scientist at Harvard Business School. She's been studying how people are using their time during the pandemic in five countries, including America. Her group's research found that women, especially mothers, are spending more time on childcare and household chores than fathers do. They also found that young women, particularly at the beginning of the pandemic, spent less time on leisure than their male counterparts. This may be because we have more demands on our time, maybe we're parents, managing a Zoom school, or scrambling to pay the bills with a second job, or doing the seemingly endless work of a job search, or simply allowing a 9-to-5 to balloon into an 8-to-6. Our work days last longer because there's no clear separation of when we should stop. 
this is not healthy. Emotional detachment from work is hugely important for job satisfaction, but the end of our workday ritual has gone missing in the virtual environment. And on top of that, we're lonely. Tea and yoga just aren't relevant when your deepest urge is not for tranquility, but human connection. We're inherently social animals, and social media provides us with an access and a conduit to other people's social lives that especially right now is less available. So it absolutely does not surprise me at all that we are trying to take back control over a very stressful time. Scrolling through your phone at night allows us to imagine alternative realities of things we could be doing. Ryan agrees. A lot of my patients are struggling during the pandemic with quarantine depression because everything is remote and isolated. Their days kind of run together. So how do we stop? Lori Santos, PhD, the director of the Comparative Cognition Lab at Yale, whose class on the psychology of happiness has become world famous, has the answer you might not want to hear. There's lots of research showing that feeling like you have a bit of free time is super important for well-being. But at the same time, many of the problems that drive sleep revenge, procrastination, feeling depressed, being too burned out to enjoy your day, and so on, can be helped by just getting more sleep. So I worry that people are creating a vicious cycle by ruining what leisure time they do have by not getting enough sleep. Of course, we all know that we should get more sleep, but Santos offers it's not as an annoying cure-all, but as a real strategic opportunity to break the revenge bedtime cycle. Ryan and Shapiro both recommend carving out breaks while it's still light outside, calendaring them in and taking them seriously. Ryan, knowing that later in the evening she'll be busy with her kids, builds 15-minute segments in her workday. I shut my office door, I put my music on, and I just breathe. It would be okay to use that time to watch a half a TV show, but she says to try to avoid the mindless scroll later at night, you have to practice not being afraid of your thoughts during the day. Meditate even for five minutes. Actively stopping and asking yourself how you're doing throughout the day will help you avoid an outpouring of negative feelings and subsequent hours of scrolling at night. If you do this during work, you can hopefully get revenge by taking time out of your workday, not out of your free time. Okay, so there you go. If anyone else suffers this, send me an email. I seem fun at gmail.com. And if anyone else is like, well, how do I do relaxation exercises? I taught a class and it's a best of class and it teaches you um, muscle relaxation. This is stuff you can do before bed, breathing exercises, some tips on like perfectionism and anxiety. I really am proud of this class. It's an hour long and you get a 25 page study guide that goes with it. And it's only eight bucks and you can, uh, I'll put the link in the show links and you can buy that class from me. And I donate 15% of all class sales to the American to the Anxiety and Depression Association of America. So again, take my class for a good cause, throw some money in my pocket. It's all in the show links. and uh, Or you can go to uh, jenkirkman.com and click Anxiety Bites and I think how to buy the classes there. But again, just go to the show links. Show links, how many more times can I say that? Oh my God, I have so many leftover listener emails. I have so many leftover topics. So I guess until next week, have... Fun. 